For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Riccaro, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, And we are keeping score. The weeks of the comeback, most if not all pro sports all over the leagues and all over the world, will be coming back in the next few weeks with some issues relative to positive testing, bubbles that are leaking, and on and on and on. But it certainly doesn't affect the business, so let's talk about the deals. Three to one. Three. The International Basketball Federation's inaugural FIBA Esports Open achieved more than 5 million views across the global governing body's social media channels and those of its national federations. The three-day event saw 114 players participate and was broadcast in more than 100 different locations globally, with each of the 54 games streamed on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. The 17-team tournament played on NBA 2K generated 2.1 million impressions in Spain alone, Also 1.7 million views and 9.8 million viewed hours. The Spanish national basketball team also roped in 1.4 million unique viewers on their Twitter account. According to show Sports Pro Opportunities, the event was produced from a new eSports studio in Riga, Latvia, with the daily show featuring highlights of the best games each day. The 54 games amounted to a total of 40 hours worth of production, which included 10 national federations working with virtual sportscasting studio Spalk to add commentary to their preferred language. FIBA revealed that more than 35 national federations have expressed interest in its next eSports tournament. That's number three. Two. Despite how much you might loathe pop-up ads that inevitably appear after a season of cyber shopping, personalized ads from brands here to stay. It's a key to success in advertising now more than ever, according to Innovid's new study, 2020 Consumer Attitudes on Personalized Advertising. When asked if personalization matters, 43% of respondents said it was important that the online ads they see are personalized, incorporating geography, interests, and behaviors. Fully 29% said they'd be more likely to buy something if an ad was personalized, and 31% said they tend to be more loyal to fans that embrace personalized ads. Advertisers aren't doing enough to personalize across channels, despite strong demands among consumers, said Stephanie Gino, Senior Vice President of Marketing for Innovit. COVID-19 is also accelerating the need to be more personalized across the channels, and also it can turn off customers with the one-size-fits-all approach. One platform that seems tailor-made for personal ads is Instagram, Athletes and other professionals have seemingly integrated product endorsements into their stories and brands and are looking to expand that integration into all users' streams. Obviously, the more creative 
ads are, the more opportunities to generate revenue. Good for sports. And that's number two. One. Despite a shut-in base, esports are down, according to researcher Nuzu. They downgraded its esports revenue outlook for the year, lowering its forecast 8% from prior projections. The firm now says that esports revenue, that's global marketer, will reach $973.9 million in 2020 and $1.194 billion next year suggesting sluggishness continues into 2021 due to a weaker sales pipeline. Nuzu, which has been cautious in lowering its forecast, attributed the slowdown largely to the pandemic, and a cooler market comes despite growing viewership for esports and plenty of event offerings from organizers. Esports have generally been painted as receiving a windfall due to the coronavirus, but lockdown consumers are playing more video games, and in the absence of live sports, more people are tuning into competitive video game play. And as traditional sports, the in-person aspect of tournaments, immensely valuable with prolonged absence, maybe cutting off lucrative brand dollars in an unexpected conclusion to a study that was done. Well, baseball's back, and according to everybody, it'll open in all cities. We'll have the normal shakeout of positive pandemic testing. Globe Life Stadium opens up in Arlington, Texas, HKS architectural success, and 150 mixed-use acres of apartments, retail, and others in Anaheim. The Cardinals and Cordish venturing on an apartment tower in the coming weeks. The Oakland A's forging ahead with their Howard Terminal ballpark, 100% committed to a $2 billion funded real estate development project. And baseball clearly significant in the minds of consumers and others, despite some of the labor issues. Andy Dolich was certainly an executive has more diversity of experience than many. The EVP of the Oakland A's during their run of successes in the 1980s and 1990s. President of Business Operations for the Golden State Warriors and Memphis Grizzlies. COO of the San Francisco 49ers. Dolich runs a sports consulting company and clearly has a very interesting perspective on the comeback. And maybe most important, a contributor to my book, The Sport Business Handbook, insights from the 100-plus leaders who shaped 50 years of the industry. A great perspective on baseball and other sports, Andy Dolich. We're always talking about pandemic implications. Are we flat? Are we at the backside? Are we the front side? That's not for Andy Dolich and me to discuss. That's a medical issue. But a marketing issue, this is the best guy in the world for that. Ohio University Sports Management Program, but then the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Niners, uh, the Oakland A's, uh, you know it. He's consulted with them, and nobody better than to talk about the way back. Andy, how's that for an intro, okay? Rick, um, I wish my parents were still alive today. I have two older brothers who did way better than me. And when I told my parents, I think I'm going into the sports business, they both started crying simultaneously. So that intro almost made me cry. Andy is one of the stellar contributors to the Sport Business Handbook, insights from 100-plus leaders who shaped 50 years of the industry. His sidebar is entitled, I want to be president. You want to give me 30 seconds on what you said in there? Well, of course, you're putting me on the spot. I want to be president. I'm president. You're not going to be president. And I have a contract written by a really good lawyer. So now get on with it. What are you going to do now? If I remember correctly, something like that. 
something like that. That no, that is that is typical Dolichian. That that is that is absolutely accurate. So we find ourselves as you began, uh, uh, you know, off the off when we first started Twilight Zone. But nobody would have ever thought that uh, even uh, Rod Serling and, and others wouldn't have uh, picked this plot. Uh, are we back in a second wave? Have we finished the first wave? But you know, you wrote an article that I still carry with me um, on sports business, and I guess it was done. It was March two. Do you remember? You remember who you wrote that for? I don't remember. You wrote I don't it. Know. You wrote, it, was, you, it was. It was. This is what it was, Rick. It was for somebody that didn't pay me. How about that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you and I have something in common, okay? But but it was it was more substance then probably deserve from a free article because you talked about the current health crisis, just one of many vulnerabilities for the sports industry. You right. called it a current health crisis on March 2. It was interesting. Now it's a worldwide pandemic that may, you know, wipe out uh, fan sports uh, for a long Very period of time. Few people other than maybe you or me or Adam Silver will remember what's occurred as a Rudy Gobert moment that domino fell over and at least the world of sports changed. And as you were talking before of epidemiologists, which I just learned to pronounce last week and, right. and following the data or data, whichever school you believe, I take it down to its basics. There's no little league baseball. There's no kids in the swimming pool. There's no volleyball. Um, forget about the people that are being paid a half a billion dollars. I heard this rumor that this football player out in Kansas City is getting a half a billion dollars. It has to be something that uh, that really didn't happen, but it did. And, so, it, and, I, I and at least Steinberg represented him. Yeah, I, I look at it. the social aspect of what this means. Our communities, Main Street and State Street, I don't I understand the value of the bubble. I understand the value of sports putting its warm shawl around people's shoulders, but we're in the middle of it, right, Rick? We're not yes. coming in after it. We're right in the middle of it, and we don't know where it's going. And and I guess part of the issue, too, is we're all making judgments as to how the industry is going to recover, and we, have, we really don't have the foggiest idea. So let, let's talk about a couple things. Every architect we talked to has said we're designing ways to make stadiums safer, different areas to pick up concessions, right. you know, drive-by stuff, swabbing everything, every other seat. But we've got 72% or more of the people surveyed saying they ain't going to mass spectator facilities until we find a vaccine. How do we reconcile both of those? Uh, you don't. You deal with the reality and you don't have to follow the data. If you're a parent, if you have any kind of relationship, if you have uh, grandkids like we do, um, and you're at least having three or four working brain cells, you're not going. Now, we'll right. see what happens at Southeastern Conference football games and other places in months to come. Uh, you just look at what's happening in the news every day. We don't have the solution for what's happening, and we really don't know about the vaccine. So, hi, why don't you and 69,842 other people that we don't know come on in and be socially distant, wear your masks, and never do anything, which people never act out at a sports venue, right, Rick? We've never seen right. that. Yeah, no, no, no cheering allowed. Right. Exactly. So, so, that, so you know, that poor usher who has the social distancing rows in that stadium, what is that man or woman supposed to do? 
Uh, a lot of crying because it ain't going to happen. And what about Disney this week? What is your sense of Disney's opening? Is it too soon, too early? Was it the right thing that just might be the wrong direction? But, man, six feet to get in is great. But once you uh, find that first ice cream cone and you run toward it, uh, you know, I just I don't know. What do you think? I can just tell you this, and I'm a gigantic Disney fan. I've sort of built whatever I've done in marketing about Disney and Walt Disney, but I'm not going to a place in which I have to have my temperature taken, period, end of sentence. And a lot of people, you know, will allow uh, that opportunity, but many, many more people will say they're not interested at all. And I guess it's going to shake out long term. Um, and maybe the best thing about all of this, if it is possible to have a best thing, is we're getting a lot more sophisticated as TV and streaming watchers. Right. You know, we've we've made Netflix. I mean, we've made all the entities that stream. Amazon is now the most valuable company in the history of the planet. And so does TV save sports in the interim? Well, can I ask you a question? You, you deal with national and international issues way more than I do. Why several months ago wasn't there a United Nations of sports? The only time you see the major commissioners is, is when they're being hauled in front of Congress to talk about PEDs or something. This was an issue that was going to affect and is affecting every single sport around the globe. Why didn't the industry come together instead of being in separate lanes trying to figure out how their bubble is better than the others. That's Yeah, and I you know what's happened? I'll answer that one, because we inherently don't share information unless it's at the point of a gun. And it may be that the idea of all of these opening up plans, which have some commonality to them relative to um, best practices anyway, and not committing to the last minute, there's a PR piece of that too, uh, maybe you're forced to share because you don't have enough time to invent the best mousetrap because you can't afford to fail. Uh, it would have been a great, and maybe it is a great deal once we come down at the back end of this, whenever that is, uh, that we cooperate. But I, I, I don't know who, who, who brings us, who brings everybody together in that panacea you described? Well, we've dealt with many people. The late great David Stern is somebody yeah. I'm so sad because David literally was a global diplomat and you know yeah. that and that isn't fair. that isn't derogatory to anybody else but you also know that the most important word in our society today is trust a simple word and if you go throughout what you do during the day and say who do you absolutely trust 100 percent of the time i think without being a brooklyn-born new york cynic which you know i am there's not a long list of people that you trust 100% other than your family. And certainly not somebody that you jump in a foxhole with others to get you going in the right direction. But we're, you know, we're learning some things that, that we otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't have. Who would have thought that uh, the, uh, the viewing experience, and now it is ironic because the PGA Tour, as we tape this, basically is saying no more crowds all year. We tried to think about Memorial. We're not doing it. No, by the way, while we're at it, we're not going to have crowds. Well, that might have been crushing two months ago, and now we're used to watching sporting events with no crowds and likenesses for $30 uh, done as a cutout in seats uh, if you're in Korea or or with the uh, Premier League. 
So, you know, who knows what some of the blessings will be. I'm with you and what you mentioned before. What I want to see when all of these sports come back and and they're starting, I want to see innovation. I want to see people taking a shot in every one of these seasons, which has a gigantic asterisk next to it, and take a shot. If you fail, why aren't there cameras in, in the umpire's mask or the catcher's mask? We know what happened in the labor negotiation when all the players were going to be Mike. That's what I want. And that's what the fans want if they can't get in. So why doesn't sports give them that? And it's not a secret. It's not global intergalactic quantum physics either. That, by the way, that's a hell of an idea that, you know, one of the things I want to talk about today in this conversation, not interview, which is great, is that we found out that uh, uh, even enemies can put their, differences aside for the greater good. Some can, some can't, you know, when you, uh, Don fear and Gary Bettman will not get Christmas cards from each other, but yet they just extended a labor deal for the next four years. Cause they realized they can't afford not to, um, you know, major league baseball, uh, somehow had that same guy, Don fear, uh, agreeing to labor peace, but now he goes over to hockey and baseball isn't, um, able to, reach agreement for whatever reason. They have the universal DH, which is great. They have starting runners on second and extra innings, which is a minor league plan, which is great. But fundamentally, the players and owners don't trust each other. Again, there you go again with that word, trust. Right. And the fans are the ones now, as you know, the fluid that flows through the veins of sports and entertainment, I think it's green. It stopped being red a long time ago, at least for owners who have multi-billion dollar net assets. So think about the fans. How many fans have been asked to talk to their teams and their marketing institutions and the leagues about what they'd like to do? I'd ask you, Rick, because you're one of the best in the country. How many focus groups have you been asked to do by leagues to talk about what fans would like to see in the asterisk season? Man, not nearly enough. And that's one thing I'd volunteer my time to do at a moment's notice because then you realize that the people that are listening – you know, really do care. I, I, I had an open clarion call for as much as our distribution allows to everybody in the industry to try to figure out how to integrate the inevitable issue that will be August, which is people who have season tickets to any one of the four or five sports and who otherwise would be the most avid fans, buy all the merchandise, go to all the games, wait in line, do the tailgating, and now they can't go. But do you relegate them to watching the game on TV like every other human being? Or is there something special? Is there a device that is inside the locker room that only goes to season ticket holders? Is there uh, some kind of a an opportunity where, you know, you can scream at home and it's magnified and put on the uh, on the jumbotron for everybody to hear and you're really doing it, not fake noise? You know, uh, what, about crickets. The, what about the virtual season ticket that I first started talking about, I don't know, 10 years ago? Now, I'm not a tech person, and we all know that virtual reality and augmented still have a way to go. But if I can't get in, a lot of people inside can have those cameras, and they can show me what's happening in the locker room, what's doing on the bench, what's happening behind the scenes. Sports is all about going behind the closed door. And this, and it happens that they can do it now. Why not? Well, and frankly, there's a lot more time, and we understand from all of the ratings, which everybody's patting them on, ourselves on the back. It's it's just that, 
I, yeah, I, I'm not sure how good the ratings and the quality of the sport is. It's just I'm tired of watching the fifth rerun of Beverly Hillbillies. So obviously you're going to watch you're going to watch something. And so at the end of the day, these ratings may mean more advertising dollars for television as long as they continue to be creative. You know, I love the virtual season ticket uh, angle. We ought, we ought to get it done. Uh, you know, and so you and I need right. to, when to we're talk done, about that tomorrow. When we're done, you have the access to billionaires. But when we're done with this call, we're going to do it because it exists today. And, you know, the real point is there is a call now to bring sports to people in a different way. I am not one that believes that next year when the calendar turns, we're going to be in the new normal. We're going to the new different. And if you aren't figuring out what that different is, then you're going to go out of business. Yeah. And final question for you, which is exactly following up on that. Um, next year at this time, uh, are we in the same kind of new different? Is it more uh, television in a way we never saw before? Do we have fans trickling in, but you know, no more sellouts in stadiums because every third seat is automatically empty? Uh, wh where are we? Use that imagination of yours. I'm going to say that in the 50 states, we'll have 50 different shades of gray. Maybe that's a really bad analogy. It's um, a terrible analogy, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, we, will, we will have different ways of going about it, and that doesn't mean it's wrong. You stated at the very outset, we're a bunch of smart, industrious people in this country, and they're working really hard to figure it out. And let's not lose the sight of the fact that this isn't just a viral pandemic. We have a social rip in our culture right now that also is burning hot that we have to figure out, and sports has to play a role in it. I do believe we'll see some sense of improvement, but I don't believe we are going to see anything close to the new normal, unfortunately. Yeah, and we're running out of time, pal. So, uh, and I only mean this metaphorically because you and I are going to live to 100. We're going to die in a bar fight. <laughs> Thank uh, you for clarifying that. Yeah, it, no, exactly. And, and, and this is one of the best interviews that I've ever done, frankly, because it wasn't an interview, just a conversation. Andy Dolich certainly has the perspective that we all need as baseball opens and other sports follow. Welcome in to the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Hora. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. Let's talk about Valorant and why it highlights a unique aspect of esports that could pose some issues. Valorant is the newest game from Riot Games. The developer of League of Legends, Riot was a one-game studio for 10 years as they built League of Legends into the most-watched esport in the world. In the fall, Riot announced they'd be creating a bunch of new games in various esports genres. Valorant was among them. The game is a shooter and a cross between Counter-Strike and Overwatch, two massive esports. Right now, the game has been out for about a month and a half, and there are already 70 teams that have been created by major organizations. Valorant's release highlights how quickly things change in esports. Two years ago, the Overwatch League, which brought in sports owners Robert Kraft, Stan Kroenke, and plenty more, was the hot new esport. In spring, reigning Overwatch League MVP Sinatra retired to play Valorant. Buy-ins for Overwatch teams range between 25 million and 45 million, depending on the city. Now the league has lost many of its top players to a new title, and its future is uncertain. Investments in esports aren't protected, and the quick lifespans of some of these games pose potential issues as investors used to the consistency of sports, at least when there isn't a pandemic going on, can't keep up with the changes in esports. Right now, Valorant is the place to be, but in two years, who knows? That's it for the Esports Minute. Now back to Rick Hora. 
The Sports Tech Minute, the NFL and free ad-supported streaming service Pluto, extended their programming partnership in a multi-year agreement. After a one-year deal revealed last August, the NFL channel delivered a curated version of Library Pro Football Fair, and according to Deadline, without live game coverage or studio chat shows that are the bread and butter of pay TV coverage, the Pluto channel designed to be very different from the NFL network cable offering. New programming coming to the channel includes a selection of highlight shows produced to commemorate the league's 100th anniversary season in 2019. Those offerings could get extra viewer attention in 2020 with COVID. Obviously, the new watching and new viewership is important to them. NFL training camps due to open later this month. Some teams asking players to return under quarantine as early as this week, and the regular season scheduled to start September 10. Pluto poised to attract eyeballs, regardless if there is live football played this fall or not. Good for them, and that's the Sports Tech Minute. Finally, the power of sports minute, and through the pandemic, we don't just focus on one issue. We summarize a whole host of philanthropic efforts, the impact of racial and social justice issues, examined in wave six of an ongoing study of the pandemic's implications for sponsorship and event marketers. 53% of the respondents agreed that brands should do more to combat racial and social injustice. 20% who disagreed, 27% no opinion. It's clearly having an impact. The PGA Tour staged its second nine-hole charity exhibition since returning to play in early June, raised over a million for local charities, and obviously the Nicholas Family Charities as part of the two-week Dublin, Ohio Memorial event. Good for them. Bodie Miller goes for the gold in his philanthropy as well as sports. Ski racers aged 7 through 12. Returning sports finally having the off-field impact not only on sports individually, but the entire giving uh, philanthropic organizations and foundations We'll see that over time as well. We'd like to thank you all for coming together to watch and listen to Keeping Score. We'd like to thank Andy Dolich for continuing to be an inspiration. As far as his perspective, want you to join us next week when we continue to keep score. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.